In this recording, we're going to be learning a piece from Rabbi Yosef Dov, which was originally published in the Hapardes Torah Journal and is reprinted in Kovetz Chidushe Torah, beginning on page 135, called Be'inyan Beisa Bechira Beisa Mikdash, having to do with the chosen building and the sanctified building. So as the title implies, Rabbi Yosef Dov is going to distinguish two components of the Beis HaMikdash. On the one hand, it's a sanctified building. And on the other hand, the location was chosen to be in Yerushalayim. And he's going to explain the source for both of those concepts in the Torah and the difference between those ideas, how they have different ramifications. So this piece parallels in many ways the insight we saw from Reb Moshe, his father, that there are two elements to the land of Israel, the sanctity as well as being part of Israel. So in many ways, this piece is a companion to that, that his son develops a similar model and similar two components when it comes to the Beis HaMikdash. And we'll see at the end that Rabbi Yosef Dov's uncle, Reb Velvel, also came up with a similar related formulation as well. Rabbi Yosef Dov begins with a question on the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchus Beis Abchira Vav Yudalid is talking about sanctifying the area of the Beis Hamikdash. So the Rambam writes, Uvemanis Kadsha, how did the area of the Beis Hamikdash become sanctified originally? Bikdusha Rishona Shekitsha Shlomo, with the first Beis Hamikdash that Shlomo built. So Shlomo is the one who sanctified the area of the Beis Hamikdash. Now, the problem is that this seems to contradict the Gemara in Zvachim Chavdalit Amid Aleph, which talks about what happens if a stone gets uprooted in the Beis Hamikdash. So the Gemara phrases the question, Ki Kaddish David Ritzpa El Yona Kaddish, when David sanctified the area, was it only the floor? Odelma ad la'aris de Tehoma Kaddish. Or did he sanctify all the depths all the way down in the earth? So the Gemara says clearly that David was the one who sanctified the area. Shlomo's father, not Shlomo. And Rashi and Tosfos write that even though Shlomo built the actual building of the Beis HaMikdash, but David had already sanctified that area. Because there's a story in Tanakh about David locating and buying the area, so that's when David sanctified it. Now, Rabbi Yosef Dov says that there are other sources that indicate like the Rambam. So the Gemara in Shavuos Tazayin Amid Aleph talks about the sanctification when they built it. So that would have been done by Shlomo. And the Pasuk in Melachim Aleph chapter Chapter 8, which talks about when Shlomo built the first base on Mikdash, it says, that on that day Shlomo sanctified the area. So there are sources that indicate that Shlomo was the one that sanctified it. But again, the Gemara in Zavachim contradicts all this by saying that David sanctified it. So we have a big problem who sanctified the area of the base on Mikdash. Rashi and Tosfos seem to say that it was David and the Gemara in Zavachim, whereas the Rambam, based on the Gemara in Shvuot, seems to say that Shlomo, when he built the Beis HaMikdash, sanctified it. So to answer this, Rabbi Yosef Dov begins with another Rambam. In Hilchos Melachim Aleph Aleph, the Rambam writes, Shalosh mitzvos nitztavu Yisrael b'shas knisosan la'aretz. There were three mitzvahs that the Jews were commanded once they entered Eretz Yisrael to do, which were to appoint a king, to build the Beis HaMikdash, and to destroy Amalek. So the Rambam gives the source for the mitzvah to build the Beis HaMikdash, 
Midrash, Belivnos Beisa Bechira, Shinem Arlishichno Tidrishu Ubasa Shama. Because the Torah says that you should appoint a place for Hashem and go there. So that's the source for building a Beisa Mikdash. Now, the Lecha Mishnah asks that the Rambam in Hilchos Beisa Bechira, Aleph Aleph, provides a different source for the same mitzvah. Mitzvah's essay, Livnos Bais Lashem, Shinem Arva Osuli Mikdash. There, the Rambam says that the source is when the Torah says, build for me a Mikdash. So why does the Rambam in Hilchus Melachim and Hilchus Beis Abachira give two different psukim for the same mitzvah to build the Beis HaMikdash? So Rabbi Yosef Dov answers this question because the source for the Rambam that the mitzvah of building the Beis HaMikdash only applied after they entered Eretz Yisrael is the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Chaf Amud Beis, where it says that first they needed to appoint a king, then destroy Amalek, and only then could they build the Beis HaMikdash. So obviously building the Beis HaMikdash Mikdash had to be done after they came into Israel. But what about the Mishkan that they were commanded in the Midbar? So they were already commanded to build a sort of Besam Mikdash, a version of it, in the desert before they came into Israel. That's the mitzvah of the Asuli Mikdash. So what does it mean that they were only commanded to build the Beis HaMikdash after they came into Israel? Says Rabbi Yosef Dov, and this is his key conceptual point in this piece, that there are two different aspects to the mitzvah of building the Beis HaMikdash. So there were actually two different mitzvahs. One is a mitzvah to build the building of the Beis HaMikdash from the Asuli Mikdash, and that applied also in the desert. And then there is a second mitzvah to build the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, which is called the Beis HaBechira, the chosen house. And that's a mitzvah from the Pasuk of L'Shichno Tidrashu Ubasa Shama, that it has to be built in the chosen place. So there are two different aspects to the Beis HaMikdash. There's the Mikdash, the sanctified building where they bring sacrifices, and the Beis HaBechira, the chosen building of Yerushalayim. And the proof is, because for hundreds of years after the Jews entered Israel, before Shlomo built the first Beis HaMikdash, they continued to use the Mishkan from the desert, although it didn't travel around as much, but it did travel from a few different cities. So it would stay in one place for many years, but it could travel depending on the prophets where Hashem told them to put it. So it went from Gilgal to Shiloh to Nov to Givon. So the Mishkan continued to travel even in Israel. As opposed to the Beis HaMikdash, where the Rambam writes explicitly in Hilchos Beis HaBechira, Aleph Gimel, Kivan Shenivna HaMikdash Birushalayim, Nesru Kol HaMikomos Kulan, Livnos Bahen Bayis Lashem. Once the Beis HaMikdash was built in Yerushalayim, it was prohibited to build a house for Hashem anywhere else. The Ein Sham Bayis Ledore Doros, Ela Birushalayim Bilvad Ubahar HaMoria. And now for all time, the house of Hashem has to be in Yerushalayim, An Har HaMoria, and it can no longer be located or moved anywhere else. Similarly, the rule of the Mishkan was, so long as it was operational, nobody could bring a sacrifice anywhere else. But once the Mishkan was done, so then they were allowed to continue using Bamos, which were private altars, wherever someone wanted to set it up. So the Mishkan was a temporary ban on the private altars, but once the Mishkan ended, so then the private altars came back. As opposed to the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, once the Beis HaMikdash was built, Bamos were now prohibited forever. Even once the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, one is not allowed to use Bamos. So we see that something shifted when the Beis HaMikdash was built, that now a specific location was chosen 
as the sanctified area, as opposed to the Mishkan, even though there was a centralized area to bring sacrifices and you weren't allowed to bring it elsewhere, that's because it was a Mikdash. It was a place of sanctity to bring sacrifices, but it was not a Beis HaBechira. It was not the chosen area until the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, which was not only a Mikdash, a building to bring sacrifices, but it was the chosen area on earth and only there could sacrifices be brought. Another halacha that also reflects this is the Mishnah in Zvachim Kufyud Beis Amud Beis describes where people had to eat the sacrifices. So there are some differences in detail depending on where the Mishkan was, but the basic idea is that people could eat the sacrifice almost anywhere. They did not have to eat it specifically in the area of the Mishkan. Now that totally changed once the Beis HaMikdash was built. A person had to eat the sacrifice in Yerushalayim because now that was the sanctified area. So again, we see that the Mishkan was a Mikdash. It was a place to bring sacrifices, but it was not a sanctified area the way the Beis HaMikdash was, that once the Beis HaMikdash was built in Yerushalayim, the Beis HaBechira, so that area was chosen to be sanctified. And the rest of Israel, even though it was sanctified, but it was no longer sanctified like Yerushalayim. And now the sacrifices had to be eaten in a specific sanctified city. So again, this illustrates the difference between Mikdash and Beis HaBechira. And Rabbi Yosef Dov adds that these two aspects come from different verses in the Torah. So in Shmos, the Torah says, Va'asuli Mikdash, make a Mikdash, which is talking about a place of sacrifices. And then later in Devarim, the Torah says, Ki asher Hashem, that you have to bring the sacrifices in the place that Hashem chooses. no to his dwelling, you have to come. So this all applied only after they came into Israel. So we see that the Torah itself is separating these two concepts into two different commands, and they're given at different points. Originally in the desert, the Jews are told to build a mikdash, and then as they're heading into Israel, the idea of the Beis HaBechira is added. So this very nicely answers the question of the Lechem Mishnah. Why does the Rambam quote two different psukim? Because in Hil- where the Rambam is giving the rules of the Beis HaMikdash. So he's describing the mitzvah to build a Mikdash and that comes from the verse Va'asuli Mikdash. As opposed to Hilchos Melachim where the Rambam is giving the rules of the Beis HaBechira, the mitzvahs that applied once they came into Israel. So the special mitzvah of the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. So there he quotes the Pasuk about that of Lashichno Tidrashu. So that explains why the Rambam uses two different psukim to make the two different subtle points that he's making in these different halachas. Now, Rabbi Yosef Dov quotes, there's a medrash in the Yalkut and Parshas Re'eh, which describes that when David was buying the area of the Beis HaMikdash, so he needed to do it based on a prophet. It had to be prophetically inspired, and he needed to collect money from all of the different tribes in order to buy this land. So he couldn't buy the land privately. The money had to come from all of the Jewish people. Everyone, each tribe needed to be represented 
in the purchasing of the area of the Beis HaMikdash. Now, Reb Yosef Dov points out that this is not a financial issue. It's not that we don't want one tribe or one person to own the land of the Beis HaMikdash because we want it to financially belong to all the Jews because anyways, the city of Yerushalayim did not belong to one Shevet. So it was nationally owned. Like Washington, D.C. as the capital is not a separate state. It's just an area where the government of the United States is located. So similarly, Yerushalayim was the capital. It didn't belong to a specific tribe. It belonged, so to speak, to the entire nation. So there was no need to buy the area of the Beis HaMikdash with money from all the tribes when anyways all the tribes owned that area. Says Rabbi Yosef Dov, this is a special halal in building the Beis HaBechira, that the place which is going to have this permanent home of Hashem has to be purchased with participation of all the tribes. And it's not only that establishing the area had to be done in a specific way, but it also had to be sanctified in a specific way. Because the Gemara in the second chapter of Shavuos describes how to sanctify different areas. So there's a whole process. It requires the king and the prophet and the Urim Vitumim and the Sanhedrin. There's a whole process that they go through in order to sanctify new areas of Yerushalayim or whatever they're trying to sanctify. And that's learned out from the way David sanctified the area that he purchased for the Beis HaMikdash. So we see that for this area to be the location of the Beis HaBechira, it's not enough to just find it and purchase it. It had to be sanctified as the area of the Beis HaBechira. So David did sanctify the location that nowhere else could be the home of the Beis HaBechira. So this now resolves the question Rabbi Yosef Dov began with. The Gemara says that David sanctified it and the Rambam says that Shlomo sanctified it. So the answer is that the Rambam is talking about the building of the Beis HaMikdash. So that, of course, Shlomo sanctified it. The Pasuk says that Shlomo sanctified the building and it could only be sanctified once it was built. But that's all in terms of the Beis HaMikdash component. Shlomo sanctified that. But David sanctified the Beis HaBechira because he selected the location and purchased it and sanctified it as the Beis HaBechira. So that's what the Gemara is talking about, the ground under the Beis HaMikdash. And that was sanctified by David. So there were two stages in the sanctification of the Beis HaMikdash. David sanctified the ground as the Beis HaBechira. And then Shlomo built the building and sanctified the Beis HaMikdash. So now Rabbi Yosef Dov raises a few problems with his theory. First of all, the language of the Rambam that we saw earlier is that Shlomo sanctified the Azara and Yerushalayim. So he sanctified not only the Beis HaMikdash, but Yerushalayim as well. So this seems to be a problem because according to Rabbi Yosef Dov, it was really David who sanctified Yerushalayim. Once he identified the area of the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, so David already sanctified Yerushalayim. Why is the Rambam saying that Shlomo sanctified Yerushalayim? So in order to make sense of his approach, Rabbi Yosef Dov now says that we need to extend this whole idea not only to the Beis HaMikdash, but also to Yerushalayim. 
that Yerushalayim too has two elements of sanctity. One is because it houses the Beis HaBechira, and the second is because the Beis HaMikdash is there. So both David as well as Shlomo added to the sanctity of Yerushalayim. And there's different halachas that are connected with each of these components. So Shlomo's sanctification of Yerushalayim is very clear because there are halachas that apply to the city of Yerushalayim as the home of the Beis HaMikdash. So for example, eating the Maiser Sheni, the tithe that has to be eaten in Yerushalayim, or eating the sacrifices, the Kudshim Kalim, that can be eaten in the whole city. So those are halachas that come about because the Beis HaMikdash is in Yerushalayim, and they apply to the whole city of Yerushalayim. But over and above that, says Rabbi Yosef Dov, and this is now his original idea, David also created a status of the city of Yerushalayim as the future home of the Beis HaMikdash. And this is based on the language of the Rambam in Hilchus Beis HaBechira Aleph Gimel, where he includes Yerushalayim as part of the site chosen for the Beis HaMikdash. But the source for it is in Malachim, where it says that Hashem said, from the day I took the Jews out of Egypt, I had not selected a specific city from the tribes of Israel to build a house. So we see that the city was part of what David chose to be the future site of the Beis HaMikdash. So David is responsible for making Yerushalayim the home of the Beis HaBechira. And then Shlomo built the Beis HaMikdash, which added halachas like Meiser Sheni and Kodshim Kalim to the city. So the same distinction within the Beis HaMikdash between the Beis HaBechira and the Beis HaMikdash applies also to the status of Yerushalayim. And that's why the Rambam says that Shlomo also sanctified Yerushalayim. Now Rabbi Yosef Dov raises another question which is why does the Gemara only wonder whether David sanctified the surface or all the depths? And it doesn't ask the same question about Shlomo. Did he sanctify only the surface or the depths as well? So Rabbi Yosef Dov gives an answer to this but it's fairly convoluted. So I'm going to skip this issue because I want to stay focused on the major idea that he's developing. Now at the end, Rabbi Yosef Dov raises one very good question, which is, if David sanctified the Beis HaBechira, so why does the Navi in Melachim Aleph Gimel say that the Jews continued to use a Bama? They had a communal offering space in the city of Givon during the period of David, up until Shlomo built the Beis HaMikdash. But if David already sanctified that area as the Beis HaBechira, so then it should have immediately prohibited the use of a Bama anywhere else outside of Yerushalayim. So how did the Jews continue to sacrifice in Givon when the Beis HaBechira site had been chosen in Yerushalayim? So this is a very good question, but Rabbi Yosef Dov points out that it has nothing to do with his explanation of the Rambam. He's saying that David sanctified one element and Shlomo sanctified the next element. But even without that, it's very clear that David chose the location of the Beis HaBechira and will see this soon from Reb Velvel. So this is a very clear point, and as soon as David chose that location, any Bama should have been prohibited. So how did the Jews continue to sacrifice in Givon? So Reb Yosef Dov gives a very obvious and good answer, which is even though David chose the site of the Beis HaBechira, but so long as the Beis HaMikdash was not built, it didn't prohibit the Bamos until the Beis HaMikdash was up and running and operational 
for sacrifices. Then the bamos became prohibited, but not before that. And Rabbi Yosef Dov even adds a more conceptual formulation of this, that until the Beis HaMikdash was built, it was not fully the Beis HaBechira. So even though it's true that David selected and created the Beis HaBechira, but that process was not fully completed until the building of the Beis HaMikdash was built. So this is not backing off from the idea that David sanctified the Beis HaBechira. He did that, but it didn't fully take effect until the Beis HaMikdash was built, which makes sense because the whole point of selecting the location of the Beis HaBechira is to put the Beis HaMikdash there. So up until that happened, people were still able to go to the Bama in Givon and bring their sacrifice. Then once the Beis HaMikdash was built, that fully completed the process of the Beis HaBechira, and now even after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, we can't sacrifice on Bamos anymore, even though there's no longer a Beis HaMikdash on that spot, but it still is the only Beis HaBechira. So once the Beis HaBechira was completed, even if the Beis HaMikdash went away, that area is the only sanctified area. So that's the difference between David's times versus our times. So nowadays we have the Beis HaBechira is still in that location, even as we're waiting for the Beis HaMikdash Mikdash to be rebuilt. So this is Reb Yosef Dov's explanation of the two elements of the Beis Mikdash and the distinction between choosing the place and sanctifying the place. Now, in the Shiurei Hagrid on Avodes Yom Kippurim, which was put out by Reb Yosef Dov's son-in-law, Reb Aaron Lichtenstein, so he quotes this piece on page 146, but he adds two important further details. The first is that when the Torah describes choosing something, thing, so it can describe it using two words, either livchor s, to choose the following thing, or livchor b, to choose in the following thing. Says Rabbi Yosef Dov, the difference is choosing s, choosing this thing, does not mean to exclude everything else. It means that this object is chosen, it's sanctified, but there could be other chosen sanctified objects. It's not exclusionary. Whereas livchor be, choosing in something, excludes everyone else. So that's why in the Chemia Tes Zion, which we say every morning in Shachris, it says, Asher bacharta be'avram. You chose in Avraham, meaning to exclude everybody else. It's not Avraham plus other people. It's only Avraham and his descendants. Likewise, the Torah in Devarim Yud Dalit Beis describes the choosing of the Jewish people. Ubecha bachar Hashem lihios that in you Hashem has chosen. Not you, Oscha, Hashem has chosen, which would mean the Jews and others, but only the Jews. And that's what Rashi and Shmos Lamedalid Tess quotes that Moshe said to Hashem, please choose the Jews and only the Jews, no other nation. So that's what the Torah is saying, that that's what happened. Now, the same language is used in the choosing of Yerushalayim. In Malachim Aleph, Yudalef Lamed Beis, it says, Ha'ir Asher Bachar the city that I chose in it. And in Devarim Yudbez Yudches, when it's saying that there's going to be a chosen city, it says, in the place that Hashem is going to choose. So that phrase, be, indicates that only Yerushalayim is chosen. In other words, it cannot be moved around. So that's the distinction Rabbi Yosef Dov made, that even though the Mishkan in Nov and Givon and Shiloh and these places could be moved around, but Yerushalayim can never be changed because it's chosen be. 
it was chosen to the exclusion of all else, so only Yerushalayim could be the sanctified city. And that's what defines Yerushalayim and the Hara Moria, the Temple Mount, as the place of the Beis Amikdash forevermore. Now, in addition, Rabbi Yosef Dov raised the issue, why was Shlomo allowed to use a Bama in Nov and Givon, even though his father David had already sanctified Yerushalayim as the Beis Abichira? So he answered until the Beis Amikdash was actually built, they were still allowed to bring in the Bama. So in the Shire Hagrid on Avodas Yom Kippurim, he adds that he mentioned this idea to his father, Reb Moshe. And Reb Moshe added that we only find that Shlomo offered sacrifices on a Bama Gedola, a communal Bama, not on a Bama Katana, a private individual Bama. So Reb Moshe suggested that maybe once David sanctified the Beis Abichira, it did change something. It did not prohibit all Bamos. So it wasn't that all altars were then prohibited because Shlomo did bring sacrifices, but it did prohibit individual small Bama Katanas. So those individual altars were prohibited because the David had sanctified the Beis Abichira, and that's why Shlomo only offered in a Bama Gedola, in a communal Bama. So that's an interesting suggestion. So this is Rabbi Yosef Dov's piece on this topic and his conceptual framework for differentiating between the Beis Abichira, the chosenness of the Beis HaMikdash and Yerushalayim versus the sanctity. Now, it's worth noting that there's a few others that go along the same lines. So, first of all, Rab Aaron Soloveitchik, who's Rab Yosef Dov's younger brother, in his Sefer Perach Mata Aaron, commentary on the Rambam Sefer Ava, on page 167, he has a Kuntris in Yane Eretz Yisrael, an article about Eretz Yisrael, and he quotes this idea from his brother, and he calls it a Tirutz Nifla, an amazing answer. So he's very taken with this idea. Now, interestingly, Reb Lazer Silver, who was one of the leading American rabbis, and Reb Yosef Dov had tremendous respect for him as a slightly older colleague. So he has an almost exact formulation of the same idea in his Sefer Anfei Erez Chelek Beis on page Lamed Aleph. So he basically goes through the exact same distinction between David's choosing the area and then Shlomo sanctifying it. And he also connects this with the overall sanctity of Eretz Yisrael, that it too is chosen and it's also sanctified. And those are two different things. So even if Eretz Yisrael lost its sanctity after the Jews were exiled, according to some views in the Gemara, but it's still the chosen land. So in the future, in Mashiach's times, when Hashem's going to sanctify another land, it must be the land of Israel again. It cannot be any other area. So at the beginning of this recording, we noted the similarities between this idea about the Beis HaMikdash and Reb Moshe Soloveitchik's idea that Israel has two elements. It's the sanctified land and it belongs to the Jews. So Reb Lazer Silver is explicitly connected these two ideas, he's saying that the Beis HaMikdash is chosen as well as sanctified and Eretz Yisrael is chosen as well as sanctified. So that's a very similar idea to Reb Moshe and Reb Yosef Dov. Now, Reb Velvel also has a very similar formulation and he comes back to this idea in a few places and he too keeps stressing the two elements of chosenness as well as sanctity. So in a letter in the back of Chidushe Maron Riz HaLevi on page 80, And most of this letter we're going to deal with in the next recording because it's mostly concerned with the idea that the Mizbeach was chosen as well as the Beis HaMikdash. So in the next recording, we're going to deal with the details of the Mizbeach. But there is one line that Rav Velvel says in the middle of this, 
that there was both a choosing as well as a sanctification. And he quotes the same Rambam in Hilchus Beis Abchira Vav Yudalid that Rabbi Yosef Dov began with, that Shlomo sanctified the area of the Beis HaMikdash. And then he points out that in the Navi, it sounds like David chose the area of the Beis HaMikdash. So he explains, Mishum The sanctification is separate from the choosing. Even though Shlomo sanctified it when he built it, but the choosing of that area was done through David. And that's what the Pasuk is talking about, that David was the one that chose it. So again, Reb Velvel already sees this idea that David's choosing that area was not just a practical matter, that he was the one that consulted the Navi and they found the right area and then David purchased it. It wasn't that David was taking care of technicalities. He was fulfilling the halacha of choosing that area. So Rev Velvel already sees this idea that choosing that area was not a practical matter. It was a halachic concept. Now, Rev Velvel touches on some of Rabbi Yosef Dov's other details in other places as well. So in his last piece in Chidush Maron Riz HaLevi on Hilchos Beis Bechira on page 32, so he quotes the same medrash that Rav Yosef Dov did, that the area of the Beis HaMikdash had to be purchased with money from all the tribes. But Rav Velvel interprets this a little differently. He refers to a debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan whether Yerushalayim was not divided to a specific tribe or whether it was given to a tribe. So now Rav Velvel quotes that in the Medrash there are two explanations for what it means that the area of the Beis HaMikdash belonged to all of the tribes, to all of the Jews. Either it means that it was never divided to begin with, like the Rabbanan, it was not given to a specific tribe, or according to Rabbi Yehuda that it was given to a tribe, but then all of the tribes together purchased it with money from all of them. So now it was bought back on behalf of the Jewish people. So Reb Velvel says, based on Atosos and Babakama, that the two answers in the Medrash reflect the debate between Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan. According to Rabbi Yehuda, that Yerushalayim was given to a specific tribe, so the area of the Beis HaMikdash needed to be purchased back with money from all of the tribes so that it belonged to everyone. Whereas according to the Rabbanan, that that land to begin with was never given to a specific tribe, so it automatically belonged to everyone, and that's what the Torah means, that it belongs to everyone, just that you don't give it to a specific person. So that's the way Reb Velvel sets this up, again, based on Tosfos. Reb Yosef Dov in this piece, though, assumes differently that the Medrash that they purchased the land with money from all the tribes applies even to the view that Yerushalayim was not divided to begin with. But still, one of the halachas of choosing this land as the Beis Abichira for all time is that it had to be purchased with money from all of the tribes. Now, Reb Yosef Dov in this piece brings another proof to his overall approach because the halacha was that Kudshim Kalim, some of the Karbanos, could be eaten in the whole city of Yerushalayim. As opposed to in the earlier places where the Mishkan was parked, there was no halacha of eating the Karban in the city of Shiloh or Nov or Givon. So Rabbi Yosef Dov proved from this that the cities were not sanctified. They had no special status the way Yerushalayim has a special status. So Reb Velvel also formulates basically the same idea in his Chidushim on the Torah in Parshas Re'e because Rashi there includes Shiloh somewhat 
in the place that Hashem will choose, but he makes clear that there's a difference between Yerushalayim and Shiloh. So Rabbi Velvel's trying to explain what was the middle status of Shiloh, that on the one hand it had some sanctity, but it was not like Yerushalayim. So he explains it similar to Rabbi Yosef Dov, that Shiloh did have a status as the communal Bama, the place where the Mishkan was parked for hundreds of years. So it was an important city, but it was not like Yerushalayim. And then he references this halacha in terms of where to eat the karbanos. So the rule of Shiloh is that you could eat the karban anywhere from where you could see the city of Shiloh. So it had to do with eyesight. You had to be within range of seeing Shiloh, as opposed to Yerushalayim, where the karban has to be eaten within the walls. So the Mishnah in Megillah, Tessam and Beis, says, Ein bein Shiloh to Yerushalayim. There's no difference between Shiloh to Yerushalayim, except that in Shiloh you can eat Kadshim Kalim and Maiser Sheni Bechol Haroa, anywhere that you can see. Ubi Yerushalayim Lifnim Min Hachoma. And in Yerushalayim it has to be inside the walls. Now, says Rab Velvel, if the idea of Shiloh is that there's sanctity anywhere within eyesight range, so there's no actual conceptual difference between Yerushalayim and Shiloh. It's the same thing. In both of them, you're allowed to eat the Kodshim Kalim and the Maiser Sheni in the sanctified area. Now, it happens to be that the sanctified area is defined a little differently. In Shiloh, it's so long as you can see, and in Yerushalayim, it's inside the walls. But the conceptual idea is exactly the same. So that type of distinction is not worth the Mishnah mentioning. It's like saying that Shiloh is in a different place than Yerushalayim. That's obvious. There's no reason for the Mishnah to mention this. So it must be that the Mishnah is referencing a more conceptual distinction. That in Yerushalayim, the carbon has to be eaten in the sanctified area, as opposed to Shiloh, which does not have a sanctified area. So the rules for eating the carbon are totally different. It's not just a small detail about how to measure the sanctified area. It's that Shiloh works totally differently. The area is not sanctified. There's another halacha that you're allowed to eat the carbon within eyesight. But it has nothing to do with Shiloh being a sanctified area the way Yerushalayim was. So again, it's the same basic idea that eating the carbon throughout Yerushalayim shows that the status of Yerushalayim was elevated, which is not the case for Shiloh or where the Mishkan was parked. So that's how Rabbi Velvo in his Chidushim on the Torah explains the status of Shiloh. It was chosen by Hashem in some regards to be the house of the Mishkan, but it was not sanctified as a city, whereas Yerushalayim was sanctified as a city. So that explains the way Rashi presents this whole idea in Parshas Re'eh. Now, there's another very important comment from Reb Velvel about all this in his Chidushim on Krisos Hey Amad Beis. So, so far we've seen this basic idea applied to a number of concepts. That there is an idea that Eretz Yisrael was chosen above all lands for all time. That Yerushalayim was chosen as a city above all cities for all time. And the place of the Beis HaMikdash was also chosen. So we've seen it applied to three different concepts. Now Reb Velvel's going to expand this idea and apply it to a fourth concept 
as well, which is Malchus based David, the dynasty of David. So the Gemara in Croesus there says that only kings from the house of David get anointed with the Shemen HaMishcha, with the anointing oil in the Beis HaMikdash, as opposed to Malchus Yisrael, the rival dynasty of kings in the north who do not use the Shemen HaMishcha. So Tosfos adds that even though Malchus Yisrael did not use Shemen HaMishcha, but Shaul, because he preceded David, did get Shemen HaMishcha. So the way Reb Velvel explains this is that once David came on the scene, so he and his family became the main kings. They're the only legitimate kings. Now, even though Malchus Yisrael do have the halacha of a king, so if someone sees a Melech Yisrael, they are dealing with a halachically valid king, but compared to Malchus based David, the kings in the south, the Malchus Yehuda, the kings in the north were not legitimate kings. Only the kings in the south had certain of the halachas of kings, including using the Shemana Mishcha and certain things related to the Beis HaMikdash. So Malchus based David, that dynasty were the primary kings. Now, Shaul, who preceded David, so he actually had the status of a full king because there was no legitimate primary king at the time of Shaul. So even though he didn't come from Shevet Yehuda, he was not going to be the permanent king, but he did have the full status of a king, and that's why he used the Shemana Mishcha. And now Reb Velvel adds that just like the place of the Beis HaMikdash was chosen and Yerushalayim was chosen, there's also a halacha of choosing Malchus Beis David through the line of Shlomo. So again, it's not just that they practically were chosen. It happened to be David and then it happened to go through his son Shlomo. But there was a specific halachic concept to choose David and specifically his descendants from Shlomo would continue his line of the dynasty. So that's why the Navi says, That Hashem chose David and his descendants. So again, we see this choosing and the Mechilta includes in the choosing of Yerushalayim and the place of the Beis HaMikdash, also the family of David. So based on this, Rabbi Elvul explains why the Rambam, when he lists in the 13 major fundamentals of Judaism, the coming of Mashiach, he says that included in this principle is She'ein Melech Yisrael Elami Beis David Vizera Shlomo Bilvad, that there is no king for the Jews other than from the descendants of David and Shlomo. The Kolacholik Alamishpacha Azos Kafar Bashemu Vidivre and anyone who disputes this family's claim to the throne is going against Hashem and the words of the prophets. Because included in the prophecy is that David and his family were chosen to be the future kings for all time. So now we have four concepts where there was this choosing. It wasn't just a random technical act that it ended up this way, but there was a specific choosing which had validity in halacha. So according to Rab Velvel, that applies to Yerushalayim, to the place of the Beis HaMikdash, to Malchus Beis David. And we saw that Reb Lazer Silver also includes the choosing of Eretz Yisrael in that. Now, Reb Lazer Silver also adds a very nice twist, and this sort of ties together some of the different ideas we've been discussing. He throws in that the reason why David was uniquely suited to choose the area of the Beis HaMikdash and the city that would be sanctified for all time is specifically because he was the founder of the dynasty, which would continue for all time. 
So these locations could not be chosen by someone that was a temporary king. Only once there was a permanent king in the sense of his dynasty, then he was able to imbue these areas with sanctity permanently for all time. So based on this twist, one of Reb Lazer Silver's close students, Rabbi Shlomo Warman, in his Sheris Yosef Chelek Dalit Simen Nun Aleph, has a very nice interpretation of a Pasuk that we say each morning. At the beginning of the famous chapter 30 of Tehillim, it says, Mizmor Sher Chanukah Sabayis David. David sang this song at the dedication of the house, presumably the Beis HaMikdash. I will praise you, Hashem, because you lifted me up and you did not allow my enemies to rejoice over destroying me. So there's two major problems with this Pasuk. First of all, what is David talking about that he dedicated the Beis HaMikdash? David did not build the Beis HaMikdash. He was not allowed to. Only his son built it after he died. So what is it talking about that this song David sang at the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash, which he was not at? Second, what does that dedication have anything to do with David being saved from his enemies? So how does the second Pasuk follow from the first that David is happy he was saved from his enemies so he was able to dedicate the Beis HaMikdash? So the commentators on Tehillim, Rashi, the Ibn Ezra, the Radak, the Malbim, they deal with these problems and they have a few suggestions, either because since David cared so much about the Beis HaMikdash, it's as if he built it, even though he didn't practice practically build it, but since he cared so much, it's like he did. Or David wrote this song to be sung when they did dedicate the Beis HaMikdash in the future. So he didn't actually sing it, but he composed it for the future dedication in his son's days. Or it's not even talking about the Beis HaMikdash. Maybe it's talking about the palace. So the house that David dedicated is the palace of the king, not the Beis HaMikdash at all. But says Rabbi Warman, based on this last little twist from Reb Lazer Silver, so we can explain this Pasuk beautifully. The dedication of the Beis HaMikdash that David is referring to is when he chose that location and sanctified it to be the future location of the Beis HaMikdash. So that itself deserved a party. It's not only when the building was built, but even when the location was chosen, which was now the permanent location, so that also deserved a party. And David sang this song at that time. And he thanked Hashem for saving him from his enemies because, again, only because now David was the permanent dynasty of the Jewish people, therefore he was able to sanctify the location of the Beis HaMikdash. If his enemies had destroyed him, so then he would have been a temporary king, so then he would not have been able to sanctify that location. So that's the explanation of the two psukim, that when David dedicated the location of the Beis HaMikdash, he thanked Hashem for saving him from his enemies enemies and making him the permanent king to do so.